Hey there, people of soccer. This is ATL on Fire, the show where we'll be talking about everything Atlanta United Football Club. Sit back, buckle up, enjoy. We are live. Live. There we go. We are back with episode. We have a lot to talk about uh, a month and a half since we've done a podcast. Sorry, listeners. Lifetime. A lifetime. Uh, it's been hard to get on uh, schedules. It's been relaxing. Hopefully, everybody's been at the pool enjoying a lot of great soccer as the summer has kicked into gear. But as we look back uh, since the last pod- podcast, we had another loss against uh, Real Salt Lake in the MLS, but then we beat Minnesota and Chicago. So we had a kind of two-game win streak going into the international break, and then we went into some of the U.S. Open games. We played uh, the Charleston Battery, which had to get moved around a bit from some of the uh, wet, wet rain in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, to bring it back to uh, Kennesaw. And then we had another game against Columbus Crew in the U.S. Open where we won. And we went up to Toronto and some people forgot some things. And uh, we were down a man on the bench. And uh, then this last Saturday we had a nice win against the Montreal Impact. And our Iranian friend helped seal the deal. So we're going to hopefully get back uh, on another run here of a lot of soccer and we will uh, have a lot of a lot of games as we did in the last run. So it's going to be an action-packed July, August here. And we'll hopefully have Martinez back and some other healthy people. Before we get into that, I want to go on to my rant. And that is about video assistant review. And I know our guests are going to be excited <laughs> to talk about this too. Uh, I have long been a proponent of bringing technology into the game of soccer to get the rules right. But That's I think true. You've been talking about it for I've a been long talking time. about it for a long time. But I think uh, there is a much simpler way. My philosophy around it has been not to slow the game down. Is to the same way tennis. In tennis, you hit the hit the serve. It's either in or out, right? There's lasers that figure that out. Nobody can argue with lasers. <laughs> lasers are right, right? So there's enough money in soccer. We can figure out whether the ball went in or out in these big, expensive tournaments. I also think that technology, if we've got a couple of graduates from Georgia Tech, I'm not here to argue the logistics, but they could figure out what's on sides and off sides. And bam, there is a laser that knows whether you're on or off sides, and we just move on with the game. And then if we use actual video, which is a little bit subjective, even with video and this HD, uh, we can all argue whether we think it was a call, a foul. And I think that's the wrong way to use it. I think that's how they're trying to use it. For the most part, I think we let most of that go other than one thing. And this is where I've actually created a paper. I'm going to publish it one day. It's called (laughs) My Three Principles of Technology in, in, in Soccer. It's called in or out, on or off, or touched or not touched. So my last thing is, did the player get touched or not touched? And so if he didn't get touched and he dove, and everybody can see it on 60 frames per second, then he should get a yellow or red card or fined or whatever, figure out the rules. But if you didn't get touched and you dove, 
that's just not that's kind of unfair, right? So those are my those are my things. Um, but video assistant review, especially with the Women's World Cup and MLS watching it, can you believe how slow it is for them to even make the decision before he does that rectangular thing <laughs> and goes into into the video thing and looks in there and decides whether it's a penalty or not? It takes too long. It drives me crazy. Uh, I don't understand why if the people upstairs are like, take it to the square, then take it to the square, and then go look and make a decision quickly. You're the referee just like you were on the field. I trust you. Make a decision. Move on. If you can use technology to empower you to do that, nobody's going to be perfect. I won't blame you if you get it wrong. Use the video in a smart way. Do it fast. Let's move on with the game. And that is my rant. Dave, thanks for joining. I, we've got some special guests today. Uh, I feel like that was a little bit more of a true rant. And uh, what's our what's our story here at ATL on Fire? Well, as you know, uh, we know a lot about soccer. We know uh, a fair amount about MLS. Um, we know pretty much good amount that by now about Atlanta United. But we're going to talk about it all. We are, and uh, I don't think there's anybody better to introduce our guest than than yourself. So uh, really excited to have our Kids Are All Right episode here on ATL on Fire. And thanks uh, for, for joining here uh, before our 4th of July break into next week. Yeah, we have uh, Anna and Simon Katz, my children, who are 12 years old. They're twins. And um, they are going to be giving us a unique perspective today on the podcast. Absolutely. And before we uh, have each of them introduce themselves, thank you again for bringing a really tasty bottle of wine tonight. What are we uh, dipping into tonight? So this is a Zaha. It's an Argentinian wine. Last time we had a Chilean wine. Now we have an Argentinian wine. And this is, uh, it's actually a blend of uh, Cabernet and Malbec, I believe. Wow. Well, so it's from Mendoza, Argentina. Yeah. You brought some really nice ones in the past, but I feel like this one's got a nice... Uh, Nice vintage to it. So, yeah, it's very uh, complex. Very nice. It's really nice. So thank you. And uh, Simon, Anna, how are you guys doing? Good. Good. Uh, Simon, you want to introduce yourself first and give a little bit of uh, your background on soccer. When did you start loving to play soccer and how did you get into it? Well, I, uh, I started at three years old because one of my dad's friends signed me up to this like <laughs> to soccer and so the first game I ever played I didn't want to go on the field and so I I just skipped the game and went on the playground (laughs) that is also true yeah and so then on like the second game my dad forced me to play and then (laughs) I liked it so then I just kept playing and I played ever since uh when I was I think Eight, I moved up to academy, and then which is like the higher level, and then that's when I got more serious about it, and then uh, I I liked it because my team was doing well, I was having fun, uh, and then just this year we moved up to full size fields and eleven that do you like having a little bit more room to run or is that kind of different to have that much space uh i think i like it more because it's like what the pros play on so like it's cool yeah it's new uh 
And I should note, speaking of that, dear podcast listener, we have the U.S. Uh, Gold Cup game versus Kyrgyzstan on uh, on in the background. So if you hear us go crazy, it's yeah, just we're gonna the we US might have to get a couple of cheers in. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so how, how about growing up playing soccer with your sister? Is that created a little bit of competitive spirit with you too? Yeah. Well, she's always been bigger than me. So, <laughs> but you know, I I've just tried. Uh, I, I think I'm faster than her, so, I mean, it's pretty even since I'm faster than her. She's bigger than me, so, yeah, we've had a healthy rivalry, I would say. And what do, what do you think? Who's faster? He's faster. Yeah, is he? Oh. Okay, so you're using more of your knowledge of angles to use your speed and some of your physical nature to be able to... Uh, to be able to you know get an advantage on someone like your brother who's got a little more speed. Yeah, well, yeah. we both play center mid, so I feel like speed isn't like a big thing for center mid. I feel like you need more endurance than speed. Right. So it's not as big of a deal. So it is to... funny that they both play center mid because yeah, they both play it very differently. Um, you know, Anna is kind of this presence in midfield, and Simon is sort of positional a little bit more and and use a little bit of his quickness, but. They end up doing some of the same things, but in very different ways. Maybe they can tell you more cool. about. Yeah. So how did Anna? How did you get into soccer? That made you like playing and committing to it. Well, I mean, at first it's basically the same assignment because we started out the same. So I started at like three, two, something like that. Did you hang out in the playground instead of playing your first game, or did you did you play um, your first game? I don't remember <laughs> doing hanging out on the playground, but I remember hating. Going to soccer, like hating soccer socks, just like the feel of them. <laughs> they hated the socks. It, it took but forever. But you did to play in the, the first game while Simon refused to. You went right in. You had no problem. You were right in the middle of things, scrapping from the beginning. Yeah, but I do remember hating going there. But then once I got there, I loved it. And it's kind of the same still. It's when I go to soccer practice and soccer games, I'm not excited. But then once I get there, I'm like having a blast. Awesome. So what what teams do you guys actually play for right now? Um, I play for Top Hat, which is an all-girls club in Buckhead. And, yeah. So Top Hat is really this extraordinary thing because I think it's been a club for a very long time, since maybe the 70s or something like that. And I think it was the answer to all these clubs where... Um, Ooh, almost a goal. <laughs> All these clubs where the girls were really treated as second-class citizens. So Top Hat was founded as a girls-only club so that the girls would be, you know, the center of attention. And it's a really extraordinary club. Yeah, and I came from another club, and I can definitely see a difference because there's no one, not only boys and girls, just that there's another side that they have to pay attention to. And for this, they're just paying attention to you, like, your teams, even though it's like a massive club. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. So you played for a club um, that had both boys and girls, and now you play for a club that's all girls. And what would you say is the difference about you know how the girls are you know treated at the club you're at now? Well, I mean, we just I don't feel like we're always trying to compete to be better than the boys because we're there's no boys, so. When, like, at my old club, I just, it always felt like, like, I don't think they tried to not make, like, to make the boys have better coaches and that type of stuff, but it always felt like that. 
Yeah, so it allows you to a little, little bit relax and focus on what you're doing, and the coaches can make it a little less about the competition between the boys and girls, and and focus on really the the you know the tactics of the game, and you can just focus on that part of the the experience. Yeah, there's a huge numbers differences too at at her old club. You know, now they're struggling to have a side of an 11 aside. And at Anna's club, they just selected eight rosters of 18. Yeah. So there's a huge number of tickets. I remember, like, when I was a kid, like, the big deal for me was, like, playing against the teams that were older, right? And, like, that was a big rivalry. So if it's boys versus girls or playing against a different uh, age group that, you know, sometimes it's good just to be able to focus on your team and what you guys are trying to accomplish as a unit, right? So how did how did you end up in center mid, or both of you, how did you end up in center mid as a position? Did you play different positions before you ended up in the center mid? Well, uh, I started out at a center back. Uh, I used to play center back a lot. And then one time, we, uh, uh, I got a new coach one day. And he just put me at a center defensive mid, and uh, I I liked it more than center back. And I've just started playing. I just started playing there more. I got better at it, and then I just started calling myself a center mid. But, uh, we almost had a goal in the. Oh my gosh! Pretty extraordinary save. Yeah, that was an amazing save. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but Carousel. I think that's right. Yeah, the goalkeeper. So sorry, Simon. Keep going. So you had a coach who put you in oh, the yeah, midfield and you like it better? Oh, yeah, my coach put me at center defensive mid, and then I just got better at it, and then I just thought of myself as a center mid, and then I started to not like center back, and I don't like center back anymore. So do you guys like the part where you're looking up and trying to figure out where the lines are, where to pass the ball, and slowing the game up and speeding it up? What are the parts of that position you like? Well, um, for me, I just, like, I'm really, well, I'm, I found that I'm good at, um, finding, like, open balls and playing it over the top, and also I can kick it, like, further than most of the people at my club, so when I'm, like, trying to make, like, go over people's heads and stuff, yeah, and get it past the last defender, it, I'm, like, when it comes to that, I do better than a lot of the people, and it's really fun to make like a big ball and like have it be a great ball. That's the best. I I, I remember playing. I I played a lot of different positions, but yeah, I agree. When you play that long ball into space where somebody can run onto it and you hit it with just the right weight and hit it high, that feels pretty good. So yeah, and it's really starting to spray the ball around. I think you know one of the differences in the two of them and the size. Simon's still a little bit more tiki taka, you know, keeping possession kind of. Um, Anna's really looking to spray the 30, 40 yard ball and, and, and particularly I think on the on the women's side at, at her club um, she really stands out in that respect. So how did you guys get into Atlanta United beyond your dad buying tickets and <laughs> uh, introducing you to the fact that Atlanta United was in Atlanta? What is it that you like about having a soccer team here in Atlanta? Well honestly it's kind of like like there's someone to look up to. There's someone to like, like they, like they inspire you, and then also they like get you pumped about soccer, because you can watch them play and learn from them, and then also you can watch them play and just 
be happy like when they won yeah that was just like super <laughs> amazing and it's fun to be there at the games to like see them like watch them get goals and like be a part of it how about you Simon? Yeah. uh well i mean i just like because i i used to never be able to watch live soccer games like i used to always watch it on tv and it's it's cool for me to see it live like a pro a pro side in atlanta What's different about watching it live than it is on TV? Well, I mean, I like experiencing it. It's the energy and like actually being able to see like the the 3D forms of the players is really it changes a lot for me. It is interesting when you see the game not just following the ball around. You can actually watch much more what players are doing off the ball. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes yeah. when we're sitting in our seats, we talk about what such and such on the Atlanta night is doing was not necessarily on the ball. You just can't see that on TV. Yeah. So the um, what's your favorite game you've been to so far? I know mine. The first one? Well, for me, it was the one on my birthday uh, because it was on my birthday. But also, I there was one game that I went to. I think it was the first uh, in the inaugural season back at Bobby Dodd. Yeah. There was this one game that I went to, and Atlanta United won four nothing, and that was like it was really that one just stuck in my head because it was just it was really fun. Yeah. What do you think of the crowd and the experience of the oh Mercedes Benz? They're like. Like, they're, like, the Premier League. Like, when you listen to them on TV, it's the same, like, sounds as you hear in, like, big Premier League games. Yeah, I think your dad was telling me we were in the top ten, right, of... Yeah, we're in top ten in attendance. But I was going to ask you, you know, so you mentioned the Premier League, and we had the really amazing opportunity to go to London, and we went to the Emirates to see Arsenal versus Newcastle. We saw Al Marone, our boy Al Marone. So how would you compare Atlanta United to uh, the Emirates, let's say, from Premier League? Well, I mean, obviously, Atlanta United feels much more homey. Like, everyone's, like, your community, and you know people. Whereas they at Arsenal, it was, you didn't know everyone. And, or it didn't feel like, it felt like you were a guest. Like, it's like when you go to someone's house... Versus when people come to your house. Yeah. <laughs> Simon? Uh, I, I think it, it was cool because for me, like, it was, for one, like, it was Premier League. And I, that was cool yeah. just to see a Premier League game. But, like, it was, it was a lot different in the MLS in that, like, I don't know how to explain it. It was, like... Everyone was like different. So when <laughs> when you're our age, do you think that the major league soccer will have close? Will it get close to the level of excitement and the the fans the way that they're into it in the English Premier League? You think we'll have still pessimistic? Well, I I don't really know it. It depends on if people actually keep putting in like effort and time and money and so it could be that would be amazing um i think americans could be just as rowdy as the british (laughs) but so what about what about you and your generation 
playing at a higher level to make the quality on the on the soccer pitch better? Do you guys think that the quality of soccer in the U.S. will get better in the next twenty years? Um, I've seen you two play, so I have my opinion. But well, <laughs> I mean, I think it'll. I don't really think it will get a lot better just because people are making all these new like ideas for like like new improved stuff but it's really like too they're like kind of overthinking it yeah with like different like tactics and stuff and you kind of just have to play the game and be the better team and like yeah like when you go to the field you shouldn't be playing like trick plays and that type of stuff yeah so I feel like people will, are going to overthink it a lot. But I think it might get a little bit better. Like, the 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 people will, like, the coaching, like, in practice, people will become better, stronger players. Yeah. What do you think, Simon? Uh, it's, it's hard for me to see them not, it not get better because, like, I see at all these soccer tournaments, there's so many, like, different teams and all these players, like, I don't get how soccer is not going to get better. Like, like there's when? so many developmental academies. The men are going to get how better. How old were you guys? Women are when? How old were you guys when you first either passed the ball back or you first decided that it was important at times to try and keep possession? Probably four. Well, yeah, I would say by four or five. By the time you were five, when you were playing on a five-year-old team, there were times when we would have the lead, and you guys could put together seven, eight, nine wow. passes. Yeah, well, we're different than... You can't use us as, like, the normal for yeah. America. Well, that may be true, but there are, there are um, a number of coaches who are coaching their kids just like you who are experiencing that. Whereas yeah, when, when we were coming through, I mean, do you remember how old you were when you first made a back pass? Oh, boy. It was probably, in, honestly, into high school, really. I mean, yeah. it was Actually, that late. Yes. I mean. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Look at their reaction. They're like, come on. You so, got to keep possession. Well, so that's the thing. Yeah, you guys are um, in a position where you're getting better coaching. I didn't have a, you know, I had some really good club coaches. I take that back. It was probably middle school. Um, you know, I played for the Santos. You guys may have come up against them. Yeah, they played. Um, and so, you know, I played club soccer with them. And, you know, in, in, at that point, we had some really good coaches that understood the game and understood how to knock the ball around. But at the same time, the mentality when I was growing up was still a little different. It was, um, it was a little more run and gun still with the, the way that you would play. And... You know, it wasn't really until I got to college that I had, you know, it was around other players that really understood the game and how to knock it around. Okay, I'll I'll change my answer then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the women are going to stay, maybe get a little bit better, but it's hard to get better than they already are because yeah. they're really good right now. I think they'll get a little bit better, but I think the men... They've got a lot of improvement. Like they, they can only go up basically. Yeah. So now Anna, so. you know, you're such an Atlanta United fan, but you know, more after becoming an Atlanta United fan, I would say you know, well, why aren't the women why don't we get to go see games like this for the women?
is going on. Tell me a little bit about what you're feeling about that and, and about, you know, role models and, and what you think of as, as a professional women's soccer player. Well, I mean, watching the women play in the World Cup, I've been so used to the, um, the MLS style of play. In the Women's World Cup, it's totally different. Hmm. And, like, both, of, both Atlanta United and the women, um, they're both, like, at least last year for Atlanta United, they were, like, the best, and so are the women. They're, like, the best. So they're pretty – you can compare them mm-hmm. for their league. And it's just completely different styles of play. And um, – In what way? What, would you, what do you mean by different? Well, the women, they, the men play a lot more in the MLS. They play a lot more possession, and they keep the ball a lot more. The women, it's like you can't look away. Like there's always something happening, which it's not like a bad thing for the men. It's just different. And, I mean, you could say that it's more entertaining for the women just because there's always something, like, going on. Right. But, I mean... I like I would say that that's just because the women are really good and they're always having like chances and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the the MLS, the Atlanta United was also really good, so it seems like they're pretty easy to compare. So, so you mean even under Tata last year, you felt like where we had a little less possession, we were more, you know, bombing forward. You still feel like the women's game is a little bit more direct, a little bit more end to end, a little more exciting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Although last year it was a little bit more exciting than this year. <laughs> oh, um, throwing shade on the board. <laughs> but I think a lot of people forget in the summer. Do you, like I think the summer was kind of boring too. Like yeah. if you look at a lot of the games, I think it's mm. you. You forget some of the tough games we had even last year. They were kind of ugly. There's a lot of ugly games last year that are easy to forget because how awesome was winning the MLS final. Yeah. I think some of those are easy to forget because because of how awesome the end of the season was. But yeah, I think the women's uh, U.S. women's team. You know, the cool thing that I think about them is that you know the the U.S. team really has done a lot for women's soccer, and you can see some of the other international teams getting better because of that. I think just because they've helped change the women's game and like seeing a team like Spain and France get better because of some of the competition that the U.S. team has created has been cool because I thought like Spain and, and France particularly were really good against, against the U.S., and you can see how the quality of the women's game is moving up pretty quickly. So, you know what's incredible? Um, Simon and a couple of his friends have women's World Cup jerseys. Simon, you want to tell them whose jersey you have? I got Carly Lloyd. Jean. Yeah, Carly Lloyd. There so I think she this is amazing that that you know the the women it's like old. Anna can embrace the men's team and the men like Simon can embrace the women's team. Um, Almost a goal for the U.S. There, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also, I think that the women's team, like, I really like to watch them because, like, Because they have a shot at winning it all, for example. Not only that, but because, like, 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 you could, you kind of see yourself as them. Simon, how long is it going to be before the men's team wins the World Cup? I would say by maybe 20, probably, like, maybe... 2030, 2040. Okay, that's kind of what I would put it in. 
more realistic. Yeah, yeah it's a slow process. Yeah. We thought, you know, I think Mikey Dobbs and I and our generation, we kind of thought if MLS could really get up and running, we might be bam, you know, right in it. But it's been a slow maturation process. Yeah. Like the MLS um, is getting better and better all the time. But um, so, how would you think? So you guys saw. Arsenal versus Newcastle, which is obviously a very high-level match, and you've seen a lot of Atlanta United matches. The level of the soccer overall, Premier League Live versus MLS Live. 1 through 10 was the EPL game, 10 being the best. If you put, like, uh, Arsenal at, like, 8 or 9, where would you put Atlanta United? Well, are we talking, like... I would put them at, like, a... I would say maybe a six or so a wait, five. Are we, okay. are we talking like how good the the comp or like the playing, the like quality who, of the yeah, play, the quality yeah. of the okay. play, the not way they, the entertainment the or the game, not the entertainment, okay. but how well they play, they move the ball around. Well, I think that um, the um, Premier League is better than. Well, you got to see Al Marone play in both, so that's maybe something you can comment about. How did you think Al Marone looked against Arsenal compared to what he looked like in the MLS? Well, he looked like his teammates, they were a little bit better, so they were he was able to play the ball like like he was able to get good balls and play better balls, but also the competition was much harder, so I think that that kind of made up for it to make it more even. I think Simon's got something to say about this subject. Well, I would say that, to me, Newcastle looked pretty bad against Arsenal. I don't know. I mean, Arsenal's a really good side, uh, but... Better than they used to be. Well, yeah, I think Elmeron made them better. Yeah, he definitely did. But Newcastle, like, he... uh, Elmeron looked good, but, like, he seemed like... He didn't have much help, so I think if he had had a little bit more help, he would have looked better. But uh, to me, he looked a lot better at Atlanta United. Well, yeah, because the competition is so. Yeah. Well, yeah, but. But I think that he, I think that the his teammates were probably a little bit better. But honestly, like Newcastle isn't much better than um, Atlanta United. Well, there at you, least last there you year. There you go. Pot, dear podcast yeah. listeners, America soccer is in good shape. Well, Atlanta United's the best. Or well, they were. But, oh. <laughs> well, they were that they won. So. Yeah. So, what do you think? How much? Do you think that they're not as good this year? Yes. They're and why is that? Best. Because Al, just because of Almiron being gone. Coaching and well, DeBoer and Almiron. Why do you think it's DeBoer? Um. Well, I mean, two things changed, and so it's got to be one of them. Because they're ob- it's pretty obvious that they're not as good. Yeah, they're but isn't like it hard as like uh, if you're if you were a coach to get a team to understand what you're trying to do? Isn't that a bit? It's a pretty big challenge. Yes. It might mean he's a good coach, but the first year might be really difficult, right? Well, except for Tata, he took them from the first year ever, and in two years like the first year they did well and that was the first year ever like these yeah. players had never played together now these players are used to playing with each other like um De Boer basically took the same team that won the MLS other than one player yeah. and now they're not they're in fifth or whatever not but a lot of times even the coach that took the team to the MLS cup like the Toronto coach 
they have a really bad season the next season, even if nothing changes. So it's pretty tough to win. Um, I'd just like to point this out to our listeners and our kid guests. Um, <laughs> <laughs> throw in some shade. Throw in some shade. Uh, I'm going to throw it back. Um, because, yeah, I think, um, you know, particularly on paper, the Atlanta team should, like the players in the field, right? When you guys go out there, right, how much of an influence do you think your coach has versus you and your teammates having a good connection with each other? It's about you and your teammates a lot of times, even though the coach makes a big difference, right? Yeah. You have to enjoy playing with your, your buddies, right? Yeah, I do see what you're saying. And, yeah, I think that I am being a little bit harsh. Maybe <laughs> they, they maybe I should wait. But I just, I think people are disappointed. Yeah. In 2017, we made it to the playoffs and we lost to the Columbus crew the first season of Atlanta. Right now, we're in the playoff contention. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where we are in the table because that's a trivia question. But... Um, you know, we would make the playoffs right now, right? So we would be as good as we were the first season of Tata under Frank DeBoer. So hopefully in the next year, even if we don't win, repeat the MLS Cup, if we make the playoffs, hopefully next year we would have some additional momentum. So Simon... If, if we don't lose Barco. <laughs> Simon, do you want to weigh in on, on this year's team versus last year's team? Uh, Like, who's better? Well, just you know, what's happened and, and whether well, this team is... I think the coaching has gotten worse, I think. Uh, DeBoer came to a team that I think if he had done nothing, they would have done better than... Because I, he changed a lot very quickly, and they were doing so well. I don't know if he should have changed that much. Yeah, he should have just watched the tapes, like... Like, <laughs> last year they were doing so well. Like, just do what they did last year. Dave, did you read the article from the Yahoo uh, writer that wrote about Frank DeBoer once they kind of had that kind of locker room break and kind of his uh, his kind of reconciliation with trying to understand a little bit more what, about what the players wanted? It took us 24 minutes, but McKenny has done it. McKenzie. McKenzie? Yeah, McKenny. McKenzie. All right. I got to get my names right. So, so yeah, that article, if you haven't read it, you guys should read that too. It's a good one. It's a nice insight. You're talking about the one where um, he was talking about, you know, before the game, how a lot of the South American players... Like to have a sort of a loose session. Yeah, and, and he hates it. He was it. so used to, like, you know, getting ready for the game. Um, and he, you know, sort of didn't want to do that, but he's sort of acquiesced now to yes, the Yes, yeah. I mean, and some other, there were some other interesting insights where at least that he's, as far as what I wanted, like, have some shenanigans. Like, culture is more important. To my point, it's about getting along with your teammates more than it is any sort of tactical thing. I don't know. I th- I've always felt like that's been more important on any team I've played on. As long as you've got talent on the sheet, that as long as they get along and want to win, then the results will happen. Simon, what's going on in the game here? This game? Yeah, this game. 
Oh, I was just pointing out that it's McKenny, not McKenny. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't know much. So, about Simon, what do you think about this idea about how much the coaching makes a difference, right? So you get you've had a lot of different coaches, you know, each year. And how much do you think it's the players, and how much do you think it's the coach? Well, I mean, I've seen some coaches that aren't that good, and even like for example, I uh, I'm on the second team. I. I uh, last year I was on the second team, but uh, two years ago I had a pretty good coach on my second team, but on the top team there wasn't as strong of a coach, and I could see that the second team was like just as good as the top team, and I, I don't know because the second team and the top team weren't that different skill-wise, but I could see how coaching made a difference, like because uh, we seemed a lot more tactically in place and a lot more uh, calm and uh, know what we were doing. So what does a good coach do versus a coach you think that's not as good? Can you uh, name anything in particular? Example? Anna? You want to um, weigh in, Anna? They, <laughs> you look like you got an opinion. Oh, Simon's got something. All right, I Simon. got one. Like, some coaches, they want to play this position but, like, I think if you're going to keep all that possession, you have to go forward with it. And, like, if you have all this possession, you want to try to attack. And, like, sometimes you just want to have – you can just – you just want, like, a, a counterattack or a quick uh, – or some uh, – try to do some, like, over-the-top lucky ball. But like, do your coaches talk about like you know professional teams they're sort of modeling after? Do they all want to be Barcelona or do they? Yes, like some signs of a bad coach are like one sign that I've noticed is like they do all this like fancy warm ups and stuff, and I don't think that all this fancy warm ups and all this game prep and stuff is really gonna make a difference. Yeah, that's one of the things that I was gonna say. For something that makes me, like, for me and for, I feel like I can speak for most of my teammates, mm -hmm. um, when, uh, like, a lot of my coaches, I just wish that they would, like, just, well, my coaches aren't, like, but, like, a lot of coaches, just something that would make us play really well is just if they let go and just let us play, like, our game and, like, help us and point out things that we do wrong, but not just constantly, well, one, constantly just, like, criticize you, and then also, like, say good things, tell us what we're doing well and what we're doing not so well, and then also...
guys, you know, I constantly ask Anna and Simon about what the coach has said to them individually that they want them to do more of, less of, better of, yeah. whatever. And they, they, they talk about, okay, you know, I made this play maybe, and then the coach told me, um, you know, maybe I should have switched the fields instead of, you know, keeping it on that side or whatever. Uh, maybe I should have made a better first touch. But when I asked them, you know, basically what the coach wants you to be working on as a player to get better, what do they think, you know, you should, you know, do they want you dribbling more? Do they want you to get the ball off your feet faster? Whatever it is, they kind of tell me that they don't know that the coaches don't really tell them individually very much at all about what they want them as players to do to get to, to yeah. sort of the next level. Yeah, but I wish you... I just always had like a milestone for each game to try to do rather than trying to like yeah. fix a whole bunch of things at one time. Because so, just work on one big thing at a time. So, so Dave, as a, as a coach, and I imagine that's really tough as a coach too, because um, you're using your extra time. Every, all these coaches probably have jobs as well, or many of them, mm-hmm. um, to really take the time. How many people are on the roster on a on a? Well, they team? were playing nine v nine, so their rosters were only like eleven or thirteen. Eleven, or something. Yeah. So it's really what I'm hearing that it's really important if you're a coach out there, listeners, that you take the time with each player to kind of take some of the pros and cons and take the time with the kids and let them know. Um, both positively and constructively what they can work on. It's funny, when when I was coaching last summer in the Super Y, a number of the parents came up to me and they said, you're very unusual, you have a warm-up routine that the team does and you don't participate in it at all. And I said, yeah, we. I made sure that they learned how to do it to get themselves warmed up and I made sure I could do it in a way that they were sort of... Um, making sure that it kept going amongst themselves. But the reason why I did that is the entire time, that 20 minutes or so while the team is warming up, all I do is call over players either in ones or twos or threes and talk to them individually about what I think they've done well, what I think they could improve as individuals. Yeah. Right? And I spend all the time doing that because in practice, you can't really do that. You're talking about, you know, running through a drill or whatever. But I'm constantly surprised at how little, you know, advice the individuals, players get. They get a lot of team advice. We want to move the ball faster. We want to do this or that as a team. But we don't really get much individual advice. Yeah, and it'd be helpful to just know what I can work on, like, outside of the field. Mm-hmm. Simon, what do you think? Uh... I wish my coach would tell me what to, I could get better at. What do you think? What do you think you need to get better at? Uh, one thing I think I need to get stronger. Uh, I need to definitely uh, be. I think uh, I definitely I need to be stronger, like more physical, and win more balls. And I need to probably. Uh, get stronger as in like being able to play those long 40-yard balls switching the yeah. fields and stuff. but that's a funny thing to criticize yourself for because so much about that is your physical development eventually you're going to be able to play right. a ball you know 40 yards you know it's just who's you know your sister's gotten a little bit bigger earlier yeah. so I- smaller uh smaller person especially growing up um, and I, I probably wasn't until 
you know, late middle school before I could really hit a ball kind of long, like Anna was talking about, but I probably wasn't even as tall as you, Anna, when I was in, in middle school. You might not be uh, as tall as Anna now. I know, you might be right. <laughs> yeah, but now um, I just have to develop, like, keep working on my speed of play, that type of stuff. But I I don't, I can, like, work on my big balls and, like, seeing the game rather than, like, hoping that it will sometimes ha- yeah. happen. So, Do we want to talk a little bit about the Women's World Cup? I know yeah. Anna and Simon, too, have been really into it. You want to tell us about... How's it going? How's it going? Well, I mean, the U.S., like, when they started, like, 13 nothing, that stuff. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to tell because it's not a great team, like, the teams that they were playing. But now, like, that they've played France, I feel a lot more confident. So what do you think about this controversy in the first game where they scored 13 goals, and a bunch of people said it wasn't so sportsmanlike, they should have stopped scoring. Anna, Glad you as, got that as, a, as a girls player, what do you think? Was it the right move, not the right move? What do you think? Well, I can understand that if it's just a, like a friendly or just a game, but if they're playing in the World Cup, like, like I understand what people are saying, but I personally think that like you should try like because if it comes like there's goal differential in the world cup and you're just you want to get as many goals as possible i mean i on 13 nothing that seems a little extreme Mm because when it comes down to goal differential no like once you've broken a record i don't think that sweden is gonna even come at you with goal differential like it's not even gonna be close so like 10 is good but i mean they just like if you've got a chance to score like you shouldn't just stop scoring. And it seems a little silly to put in, like, you have to pass 10 times before you score, like, that type of thing. That seems like a very, like, developing players type of thing. And they're, like, world-class. Like, Do you think it would have been more um, upsetting to the other team if they had just kept the ball and stopped scoring? Um, well, if I were the other team, I would, personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really think of it that way, but I, I guess like it, like when you think about it, like that's another thing. Like they might not have wanted to do it because it might have been upsetting. Like either way, it's there's gonna be controversy. Mm-hmm. So like, what are you supposed to do? And yeah. Simon, you want to raise your hand over there? <laughs> yeah, I would. I would so. I, I see after the first half after they were winning three nothing, in the second half I would have taken out like Alex Morgan, uh Rose Lavelle and like uh whatever else starter they wanted to take out and rest them so that they don't get hurt in that match. And I would also I would I would uh, I would still attack but I would at- attack lot less. I would try to keep way more possession because I felt like. In that game, they were very attacking. They were trying to score a lot. And I felt like they could have played uh, a lot more uh, possession-wise in the second half. But they brought on Carly Lloyd, right? You would think, okay, they took off one of the starters, one of the people who scored a lot of goals. They brought on Carly Lloyd, and then what, she scored, what, three goals? 
right? She yeah. scored a hat trick after she came on. Yeah, so. I mean, Carly Lloyd isn't the best person to bring on if you don't want to score as many yeah, goals. Last time, we're, so, last World Cup player of the tournament and the former the two-time so World much. Player of the and Year. Even in Game Two, she scored two goals. Yeah. So Anna, what would be the biggest game you could win right now? Like if you would go into a tournament right now, it would be like the biggest game. Like if you won the trophy. Wait, like for me right or? now. Like if you, if your team were to get to the, the highest level and went to the, went to the cup, what would that, what would that tournament be? Um, probably like, the, um, like, like something in either Texas or Disney, like. Or just going to like states and then nationals and winning nationals. Yeah, they haven't had that yet. They don't get to so, so the reason, that until the, you have the. So, uh, but the reason I'm asking this is back to our celebration thing. Yeah. Not, I, not that I think the team should. Not, I always think that it's respectful to keep playing as hard as you can and score. But if you were the thirteenth goal, in that tournament in Texas. Would you do the funky chicken, or would you just give a big hug, high five, mm. and and celebrate with your teammates, or would you do a celebrate? Would you do an organized uh, celebration, or would you just be so excited that you just scored the biggest goal of your career and high five and whatever, or would you have done the the funky chicken dance that you've been been planning to do uh, since you were two years old? Funky, oh, ch- funky chicken or high five? Mm, I would. <laughs> it's like the like a big game. Yeah, this is the biggest game, in in your in up until because it's always going to be up until the World Cup that's your biggest game. So this well, yeah. is the Texas Cup that is okay. been well, waiting for. I personally, in that moment, I would probably do that planned thing. Yeah. But looking looking at it like thinking about it like if i thought about it in retrospect i would be like why did i do that that was really rude of me and i shouldn't have done that but in the moment i probably would okay. have done it that was, i love the honesty on that one it was funny when i was coaching a long time ago and we were playing in a major national tournament we were playing against the national champions from southern california and we well, actually we had I take that back. We had played them earlier in the group stage. We beat the national champions in the group stage. It was the only game we lost that year. They ended up finishing ahead of us um, in the group stage based on goal differential because we lost another game. And then we lost in the quarterfinals on penalty kicks. They then went through and just annihilated the competition. We went to see the final... And they were beating a team 5 nothing in the final. I mean, they were amazing. It was one of the best games I've ever seen. And But they scored their fifth or sixth goal, whatever it was. And they had a team celebration where they all, like, maybe seven or eight of the players got down on all fours and they made a choo-choo train and they yeah. were making diagonal. And it was just pure fun of the game. And I first thought, God, that's arrogant to have a you know, many, choreographed celebration. How many goals in was it? It was like five or six. Five or six. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And I first thought, ah, oh, that's a little arrogant. But the, you know, looking back at it, the pure, you know, excitement of the game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So do you think do you think that would have made a difference at goal twelve in that game? <laughs> I would have. I would have said that by goal twelve they probably should have called. Okay. It off. Yeah. Yeah. And so I agree with you, Mikey. Does I thought that. Towards the end, maybe celebrating. Maybe yeah. don't call off the dogs because maybe no, that's... never call off the dogs. A hundred goals, hundred nothing is respect to me. 
I mean, it really is because I think Thailand wants to go out there and compete, yeah. and they want to get the U.S.'s best game. Yeah, so they don't want people acting like they're like six year olds and yeah, I, and I they're agree. like going easy on them. To me, that's more disrespectful than not scoring. I agree um, because that's what they want. That's why Thailand. It's it's amazing that they're in the tournament. They want to play the best. You know, some of the best teams in the world, so they want to get their best. So. Plus, knowing that, like, they played the, like, literally, like, the per- they won the World Cup, last World Cup. Like, yeah. they know that, they, they, they must have known going in. They have, they basically know that they're going to get crushed. And so they, but it's just, like, kind of an honor just to yeah. be able to say that they're, like, competing against the top And they teams. had a great first half, I mean, all things considered. Yeah. With, Three with nothing, that's not yeah, bad. It's not bad, yeah. And you know they had you know they they held their own and seemed to be composed. Um, now keep in mind when the U.S. first qualified in 1990, right? I think it was against Yugoslavia. We got hammered like five six nothing, maybe seven nothing. Yeah. Um, and you know the players at the time said, you know, well this is this is the level, mm-hmm. and if we're going to be back here in '94, they already knew that the U.S. was getting the World Cup in '94. If we're going to get out of our group in '94, we need to learn these lessons. So, and okay. we did. Kids, are you guys ready for the adult adult <laughs> trivia? Because I don't take it easy on no matter who oh the boy. guest is. Thank you, Dad. You're dad. Just, well, you're you're on the ATL on fire. On the We're ATL cruel on. to 12-year-olds just like we are and to everybody else. Yeah. No, these are standard questions. We get one answer, right? We only get one answer. Uh, you, guys can, you guys can decide and group before okay, you have so your final answer. So you do your thing and then say final answer and then put it in and and we're good. But here's the thing. I would say how many people – they said there's 10 questions. I would say on average people get about half of them right at best. Okay, at best, so I'm I hoping for three. Under 500. So uh-uh. if, you can be, if you can get five – or six, you're better than average. Now, what do they win? So normally, I guess get the, the mm. bottle of wine, but uh, that you may tell not me, be Dave, so what, appropriate. What sounds exciting? What do you guys want to win if you? Um. Maybe some Atlanta United swag. Yeah, could uh, be right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Atlanta United swag. I say, or maybe even ATL on fire swag. That's right. So I tried to print some stuff online the other day, and I kept getting my order get kept getting canceled on Zazzle.com, <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out. It was because I had an Atlanta United logo on there. They must have like do like image uh, recognition, and they were canceling my order. So all of my flags and hats and stuff i'm gonna f- have to find somebody a little more shady so you're saying we can't yet buy atl on fire swag i will figure this out well, we can i we thought can i was getting ready to, to, to set you up for the plug <laughs> I know. Right. okay never mind dear podcast listeners we yeah. may or may not have any pirated atl yeah. on fire swag coming to you in the near future in atlanta we're, we're using the logo in the best possible way we're promoting the team so don't come and find me. <laughs> Arthur <laughs> is coming for you. Um, all right, are you guys ready for the trivia, Simon? Yeah. It's only one nothing in this uh, this uh, U.S. Men's National Team game against know, just about a, against a team that's got the population of Decatur, according to Dave. Yes. All right. So during an away game, Andrew Carlton recently forgot something. And was unable to play or even be on the bench for us. What did he forget? I don't know. Driver's license? Anna, I think. If 
I look like a face ID or something? He had to go north of the border. Keep in mind, they were going to Toronto. They're going to Toronto. Oh, passport. Ah, check. All right. right. Can you believe that? He's kind of. You know, your coaches teach you responsibility, right? Here's a guy, Andrew Carlton. Didn't he also, like, drink and post it? Under he age. was also under the age. same player who was posting his underage. Yeah, seriously, he is like he acts like a ten year old. He needs to get it together. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, if you if you follow my twi- my on Twitter, I said he needs to cut his man bun, shave his head. He needs to get new. And he's always chewing gum, which is kind of an immature thing. Like I think he's, he's a little. He's just spit out the gum and cut the man himself. bun and get serious, right? Because if you could play soccer for the rest of for another twenty years and get paid. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. You would maybe turn it on. Hey, Andrew, if you're listening, we love you. This is just a last, last, just check. Some people make it, some people don't. Turn it on. I don't think there's anything wrong with the haircut or whatever. But what I would say is maybe you're right in that, having been through what he's been with, he could maybe break, you know, show that he's breaking a little bit by changing something. Yeah, else. something's definitely wrong with the haircut. No man should have a man bun. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> for if he cut his hair and got serious although he had a nice assist and that's the next trivia question oh my here gosh. this no, that was not an Iranian player for Atlanta United had a breakout game at Mercedes-Benz on June 29th just, that was just like, a couple days ago yeah, this guy okay. had a breakout game <coughs> he may have it's, had a couple goals who oh, was it um oh what's his name Oh yeah, Mirren. Mirren. Is it Mirren? Uh, since you got the because he yeah. got both goals. You got the the last name correct. Justin Mirren is correct. All right. Wow. Man. Yeah. yeah. You're on fire. <laughs> um, Look out, rest of our right. guests. Simon on fire. Two for two. All right. Atlanta's next opponent on Wednesday, July third, is who? Oh no, I don't know this. Oh, you guys are fans, right? I don't, don't even know who we're playing Oh, I, I, know, I know it like is, half but... the time. We just have to randomly ding, guess. Ding, ding, we, ding, so it shouldn't be someone ding, that we've played so ding. far. I think we have played them already. We um, have. I we think played them at home. He, and I'll give you a hint. They have a very famous player in the midfield for them that... Uh, oh, we're. I know. Oh, I know, wait, is it? I know who we're playing. No, 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 no. It's um, Chicago. I think it's Chicago. I think it's Chicago. Who's answer? What? Who's uh, answering? Anna, can we do final answers? Final answer. Okay. Final Chicago. answer, Chicago. That is correct. Wow. Oh. Yeah. I would say, right. dear podcast listeners, we did not give you heard the actual hint. We didn't yeah. give anything more than that. There's a little hint, but hey. I gotta be. You didn't even. I thought you were gonna give him the name. You didn't no. even give him the name. All you did was a famous player in midfield. What is that? I know. That's right? not a hint. It was, <laughs> How many yeah. MLS teams have a famous player? In midfield? I, hey, I know. I know your kids. They've got. They've wow. got some gray matter up there. All right. Oh, so, yeah. in the Eastern Conference, Atlanta is currently in what place as of today? It's like fourth or fifth. Uh, fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Or it could be fifth. No, it's fourth. It's fourth. I, I, I swear it must be fourth. Okay, you... Final okay. answer. Final fourth. answer. Fourth. That's correct! <laughs> oh, four for four. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm glad I made these questions tougher as it got along here because uh, I knew yeah, you guys yeah. were sharp. All right. In what tournament 
And what round is Atlanta United playing this Wednesday night against St. Louis FC? US Open. US Open. Oh, the round. Oh, shit. Yeah, what round? So oh, I heard you got the... Uh, I, I think it's say. semi. I think it might be... No, it's quarter. Wait, they've played... So they played... Um, no, what's it called? That was like the... Um, the. It's either 16 or 8. The battery, know. the Charleston battery. So yeah, that was the... Played, that was... No, no, because I remember they if once they beat the Charleston battery, there were 16 teams left, I think. So that means that... They beat, so now they're in the top eight, so this must be their quarterfinals. Final answer. Quarterfinals? That's it, you're, quarter, you're going quarterfinals? Yep. That's five for five! <laughs> wow! That's, oh, oh, man, that's solid. <laughs> that's solid. All right, well done. Well done, all this right. This is like Slumdog Millionaire. I know, it really is, all right. Double or nothing. <gasps> all right. Oh, that's the highlights. Oh, we got a... Oh, he thought it was going. You're just showing the highlights ahead. That was at halftime. All right. This U.S. Open Cup or Lamar Hunt tournament is more or less than 100 years old. The Lamar, the the U.S. Open Cup is more or less than 100 years old. Yeah, I would say less, but then I feel like I'm wrong. Oh, this is 50-50 and I have no idea. Go with your gut. It's probably less. I think it's a trick question, though. No, I think it's less. It's definitely... Okay, I'm gonna say less. No, wait, less? Less? Yeah, less. Okay, less. Oh, it's your first loss. Oh, yeah, it's, it's more. It's really old. It started in 1913. That's pretty old. I told you. Oh, it's really close to 100. Yeah. Oh, dang it. So oh. you've got a one. You got a 33% chance of getting this one, not a 50-50. Yeah, we got the 50-50. I know, there was the one, only one you had a 50-50 yeah. chance. So, the winner... Of the U.S. Open Cup wins how much? The, oh, te- the team that wins I have no wins idea. how much? Do they win $100,000, okay. $300,000, or $1 million? One mil. One mil? Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's either one mil or 100000 yeah, I feel like it'd be a one because I don't think that they're gonna. So make is it, it the one hundred or the one million like or is it the three hundred thousand? This seems, is the only one so far. I have had no idea. <laughs> no idea. But I, I did give him a thirty-five uh, percent chance. So. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. One mil. But the U.S. doesn't have that much money. Well, they do, but yeah. like MLS doesn't have that much money. Well, well, yeah, they do. Probably. Hey, she's got some good brain thoughts going here. Yeah. Hey, so now we're gonna doubt ourselves. It's gonna be one. Million. Oh, I'm gonna trick you into think overthinking. Let's just say one hundred. No, one hundred thousand. Okay. Uh, no, so we should go with our gut because we don't want to. We don't want to. <sighs> Let's just do any mini 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 Winners. I can't give you any hints because I don't know the answer. This is a million. This is a hundred thousand. Any mini mini mo. Catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. Final answer. Final answer. Put it in. Okay, fine. One mil? One mil. I should have gone right in the middle. 300,000. 300,000. You weren't even close. So now they're on a losing streak. So now this is a... Hey, this is a layup here. Come on, you guys should get this. I, I feel like this is a layup. This Venezuelan Atlanta United striker just returned from international duty. Play. Hold on. There's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a twist on it that makes this tough. So I know you know the Venezuelan player. He plays for Atlanta Atlanta United. Just returned from international duty, playing for his home country in what tournament? 
Oh, oh I know. It's the Copa America. Copa? It, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Martinez in the Copa America. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the last two are going to be the hardest questions for you okay. today. Because these are more mature questions. But the, part of the trivia is to educate our listeners. And so, that's kind of the fun of it. So... The play-by-play radio voice for Atlanta United is who? Oh, um, oh, well, I, it must I be look one at of it. The, it's probably one of. I feel like with the play-by-play. He's on ninety-two oh, nine. Oh, the game, I, and his name is I who? Know. I think I know. You've oh. heard his voice. He's like, go, Lasso. It, it must be like. Oh, that it's one. Like, well, uh, no, he's Atlanta United's guy. Like, I'm not doing a very good job of imitating. I feel him. like I know who it is. Who is it? I feel. Oh, um, he might have like, a similar um, name to me. I'm like, just saying. Mike, Mike, Mikey, oh, oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. okay, wait, wait, wait. I, I feel Your dad like doesn't even know the answer to this. I thought I should, I, well, I thought I did until you gave that hint. Mike, wait, I think the the you're talking about television? The mic. Radio. He's the, oh, he's radio. The, he's the radio. Oh, oh I don't listen to the radio. they watch on television. Yeah, no, well, this is the radio play by play in Atlanta. Do you guys know the television? You, I know the I, like I know the lady like that goes Alexi down to the bottom. Yeah. We're not talking about Egan. I thought it was talking about Egan and Gergen. Egan is the is the uh, is the TV play star. So Mike radio play by play. Let's just say Mike. Okay, our final answer is Mike. That's so, <laughs> that's so close. That I'm going to give you half a point. And his name is Mike Conti. Okay, well, we yeah. And so, if you ever hear any highlights, it's Mike Conti's voice. He's the voice of Atlanta United. Mike. He also does the Hawks pregame warm up, and he's on Atlanta radio quite a bit. Just we didn't. We have no idea. Like it could be any last name. Right. This is the toughest question. So. Oh no. You gotta know there. So all right. So we have one, two. You've missed three out of ten so far. Seven out of ten? This is the toughest question for you. I would say you probably aren't going to get it. Unless you're well-read on the Sunday paper. No. Atlanta Journal-Constitution. No. All right. This reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution writes about the Atlanta United team. He's kind of the... He's kind of the journalist in Atlanta for the Atlanta United team. So he writes a lot for... Atlanta United and brings a lot of information about the team. Wow, these got real hard real quick. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's just like unfair. Well, you guys killed it out of the gate, so. <laughs> well, they were easy. See, but now you're going to know. Now you're going to know who to read up on or follow on Twitter. Well, I mean, if I had known that I should have, you should have just told me, read off, except like, then, read then the you, Atlanta Journal Constitution. We should just go with, like, uh, a Jim. Jim. That's Jim? close. <gasps> Judge, his name Jared. is Doug Robertson, and he's a writer for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. <laughs> so he does a lot of the good articles about the team, and uh, it got real hard real fast. I know. Well, I had to end on it. It got it got tough trying to do trivia at the end of the day. <laughs> Did they and win? I was. I I think so. Well, six out of ten is definitely. In the winner's circle. That's got to be about the highest. It's about the highest. Yeah, I think you guys are right there, if not even for the lead for the retail and fire trivia. They might be number one. Yeah, six and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah, you gave them a half. All right. Um, So, what do you guys think about the U.S.? Since I gave you trivia questions about the U.S. Open, do you care about it? Does that mean anything to you if Atlanta wins the U.S. Open Cup? 
and bring the trophy home? Um, uh, I wouldn't add it to their trophy collection. <gasps> the no, oldest no. tournament in the U.S. No, you wouldn't add Lamar it to Hunt. the. You wouldn't add it to. No, the I would. I should have asked you, Lamar. Hunt, I would, but yeah, like, tough, it's a big competition. I've it's, never heard of it's it until ch- Atlanta United went into it's a, it. So, well, but it's an achievement. I would. It's it's good. It's not like. It's not anything to go around to, like, France and be like, ha, I won the U.S. Open Cup. I would actually almost disagree with that in that, in that you know, the cup competitions, the FA Cup in England and the cup competitions and all the European things are older mm-hmm. than anything. So they're, they're, you know, traditionally the big thing. And, and even through all the lean years of the U.S. when we did not have professional soccer at all, we had the cup competition. Yeah, do you know the FA Cup in in England is the yeah. equi- it's the equivalent of the U.S. Open Cup, and so the FA Cup used to it's, it's lost a little bit of its prestige, but probably ten years ago, some of these players, if they won the FA Cup, that was that was the end all end all be all uh, type of trophy in England um, because of the fact that it was so pure that any club that worked their way up could win it. And so there's been some pretty amazing stories with the FA Cup. Yeah, so Anna and Simon, can you inform our podcast listeners about how the cup competitions work? Like, how does it get drawn? Yeah. All I know is that you can, like, enter, and there's, like, a bunch of different rounds for, like, non-professional teams. And then if if non-professional teams do well enough, then they play, like, uh, the higher teams like Wait, in the MLS. Are we talking about the U.S. Open Cup? Both U.S. Uh, well, Open Cup and the yeah. So you can create Open like a t- any team, and as long as like if you enter, you can play. You can work your way up in basically a tournament just to get up to like the Silverbacks level. Well, Silverbacks. Now in the FA Cup, it's still they call it the world's you know most democratic competition because it's still every round they put it in a hat. You get randomly drawn, so you can have two tiny little clubs playing each other. And, you know, it could be Manchester United versus Man City. Meanwhile, you know, Tranmere Rovers are playing, you know, whoever. But um, in the U.S., I think it once upon a time used to be that way, too. But because of the travel and the geography, they've made it slightly regional. So that's why we've played Charleston Battery, I don't know, two or three out of the last you know yeah years and that was kind of disappointing that battery couldn't host the game in their own turf yeah well the weather was not yeah. our friend so, so it was kind of you know not only was the stadium you know empty when they played up at Kennesaw but boy did we not play well in that game I have a question yeah how come they did it all the way in Kennesaw couldn't they have just done it like up in like a different stadium next to Charleston with like less fans. There's not that much between Charleston and here where they could yeah. have played in between. But like I think they Col- had Columbia, South Carolina fans. may have been an option. Yeah, could have been. Could have played at like uh, University of South Carolina. University of South Carolina. Yeah, Charleston. Honestly, they might have won if they had their fans. Like fans yeah, make a difference. Yeah, they came really close to beating us, which yeah. is sad. Crazy. We played really poorly. Thank goodness for Brandon Vasquez. Is he really yeah. single-handedly? I know. I was kind of torn. I have a lot of friends and uh, that played for Charleston Battery a long time ago, long before you were born. Um, I played down at College of Charleston in South Carolina. And so I kind of wanted them to host the As game. As do I. I had a player from my New York State ODP team in New York who played for Charleston yeah. Battery. 
And it would have been kind of, I mean, it really would have been cool. And they have a great stadium down there. It would have been really neat to see Atlanta United go down there and play against uh, Atlanta United or uh, Charleston. But I think uh, the Battery's creating a new stadium in downtown Charleston near the Riverdog Stadium, which is close to the Citadel. Yeah, apparently they uh, can't play in that stadium anymore. Is that true? Well, something m- happened, like the owner like kicked them out or something, or whoever owns the stadium, they can't play in there anymore. Oh, I don't know. It's really not good. Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't know the story. Wait, yeah. for who? Charleston Battery. Well, oh. maybe he couldn't afford drain proper drainage in the field. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's really bad, though. I think they're not allowing them to play there anymore. No, I, went to the, I went to the stadium before the season started with the, the pre-tournament and went down to the Battery um, yeah. Uh, little tournament that we were in there like two years ago but it's a great stadium they have uh, the owner is clearly a huge English league fan he had all these more signed paraphernalia than almost any other stadium in the US evidently so why is he not letting them play there anymore I don't know I'm gonna have to look up your rumor here I think that's true uh, okay Um, so we've had a great podcast what other topics do we want to talk about any players do we want to talk a little bit about the recent tactics in Canada and um, well, even the U.S. Open Cup, and then coming back here, you tell me. What well, you tell me? What's I have on to mind. say that you know. So, so De Boer at the beginning, the very early part of the season, you know, we had a, a rough go of it, and that's been well trotted territory mm-hmm. elsewhere and on this podcast. And then you know he, you know, as Anna and Simon pointed out, you know, they have such a veteran team. Why don't you just go and do what you did last year? And he kind of went back. To the basics. In particular, he put Remedy back at defensive midfield, and it kind of stabilized things. Uh, He went back to four in the back. And as soon as we did that, we won five in a row. We went on this great streak. We got all the way back into playoff contention. And then since then, he feels, it seems to me, anyway, that he has felt, okay, now we've got things stabilized. I can go back to what I'm trying to do, total football. And in particular, he stayed with four in the back, so you, so you can't criticize I that. I don't see that. I don't but see that at all. The the two center midfielders, Remedy and Nogby, he had playing Remedy in defensive midfield, and he had Nogby in front of him. And now he's gone back to this total football kind of switching thing. And I have felt that one of the consequences of that, the idea is that, you know, we should have more dynamicism in the midfield. But one of the consequences of that is we cannot press the ball because that first outlet pass is not is not shut down early enough because they don't you know, know who's staying back and going forward. It's not quite fluent enough. So that's one thing. And then the other thing I think about is you know, a succession of teams have come out and said, look, we're going to pack it in, particularly here at the Benz. And we've had a really hard time. We've, we've, we've won the game, so we've had a really hard time scoring goals and breaking them down. And one of the things I can't get over is, you know, we win the ball and our outside backs are so far up the field. And you might say, well, if you watched last year under Tata Martino, that was the same. The outside backs were really far up the field. But... One of the things that I think strikes me as being so different is under De Boer, they're so far up the field so early. And so Anna and Simon, you guys can, can tell me, you know, so what happens when those midfielders are so far up the field so early? What's the consequence? Well, uh, the outside backs, I mean, excuse me, are so uh, far up the field well, so early. They get the ball and they're standing there so... If they want to do anything with the ball, they have to 
turn and get running at a defender, uh, or they can, or it's usually the defender is right on their back, so they just have to play it back, and we do all that work for nothing, get it out to them. But so when have our outside backs looked the most dangerous? When, well, I've seen, like when every once in a while, um, they've gone they've had the outside backs they'll just go running up the field and um we'll pass it to them as they're running and they'll run onto it and they'll they'll either make like a terrific pass and we'll get a goal or a really good chance or they'll just take off and with the ball and just go right by players and we'll... who was our left back last year remember uh, wait, was it Garza? Yeah, yeah Greg yes. Garza. And Greg him. Garza, you know, one of the things, fan. he was so far bombing down the sides, but he would take off late, and so many times he was overlapping into yeah. that space or running o- late. Overlapping a lot. Whereas if you look at Breck Shea, I mean, and, and forget Breck Shea's struggles, I can talk about that too, but uh, <laughs> one of the things is because he's standing there, he's so far up the field early, when he gets the ball, he can't possibly go by anybody because he's stationary, just yeah. like Simon was pointing out. Yeah, when they yeah I agree. When they pass it to Brecce, he's usually uh, about halfway up on the other side of the offensive turf, and it, I mean he's basically posted there, and he's out wide on the sidelines. And uh, when he gets it, he does one of two things. It's very predictable. He either cuts it back inside and plays a nice little short pass to somebody there or he typically will try to go quickly outside and cross the ball which which has a very low success rate and almost always gets blocked like that's a lot of what I see with Breck well he's got to take on a guy and if you remember the game that everybody thought he played so amazingly which was the very early CCL uh, game CCL game at Kennesaw in that game we were playing it out wide he was running into that space and he was crossing first time yeah. Right? And there he looked like a world beater. So he can clearly deliver a great ball. Yeah. But that's when he's running into it. Everything's front. It's in rhythm. We're crossing. Yeah. The guys are attacking it. But when he's standing there, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you like, if you just go, like, watch one game, you can even watch it like a replay. And just watch him the entire time and count how many times he loses the ball when he, like, if you count how many times he gets the ball... And how many times he loses it out of that? It's like, like way more than the majority, way more than like half the time. It's he loses it. Like so, can I ask you since you have a strong opinion on Breck Shea, which I'm feeling? Can I say one thing about that before you ask this? So the thing about Breck Shea, actually, in the last game, not this this previous game, but we were in Canada at Toronto, we gave up the early goal. Nagby gave up possession in midfield, and Breck Shea was playing left back. And Breck Shea wasn't that far up the field, and he, as soon as he saw... He started jogging. Because it looked like Atlanta was going to win the ball. Uh, yeah. I think it was, I it was Parkhurst. No, yeah, I think it was Parkhurst who went flying in on the challenge. And he think, I think Parkhurst cleared it right off somebody's he foot relaxed. or whatever. And he relaxed. But he never got goal side. As soon as... 
Never would have stopped five yards from getting goal side. And so then when we lost the ball again and they, the guy took off again, he never caught up and the guy had to tap in on the back post. And I'm like, and I'm not criticizing him because he's, he's never been a defender his whole life, but we cannot afford to keep having a guy with no defensive instincts like that. And you could see it in that play because he was getting back. He understood that he could get back. But he had a midfielder's instinct because you want a midfielder, as soon as it looks like the ball's about to turn over, you want a midfielder to stop and start going up the field because he's open. But a defender, you want to make sure he never stops until he gets goal side. So it's easy to pick on Brexit, but I think he's actually doing uh, at least the role you would expect it from a guy that we picked up and what you would expect from a caliber of Brexit. I think he's, I think he's doing his job. A person that I don't think is doing his job, that I think needs to be benched, and I want the young kid's opinion on this, and it was my last rant on this, P.T. Martinez, kids, what do you guys think of him so far? Not in terms of like what his upside is, but like just the way he plays the game. Um, what do you think? Well, I don't think he can live up to Amaron, but I think that he, like, like well, I... You wait. Well, I was listening to your last podcast. Do you yeah. think he should be benched because of like his attitude? I think he should be benched because he doesn't do enough off the ball when he doesn't have it at his foot, and that those are the little things as a teammate I expect somebody to do for me when I lose the ball or whatever. His body language. He's got slouched shoulders. He is near the ball and he could be doing a little bit more to close down space with angles that as a teammate I would want my teammates to do for me and bring energy and a smile to the attitude of the team and I'm not seeing that from him. That's kind of my that's my beef with him I guess. Well I actually when you say that I do see your point and I honestly I think that that's kind of true what you're saying. Like he does seem almost like uh, like how, like a little bit full of himself, like how like Atlanta is like should be glad that they have him rather than he should be glad that he has Atlanta. Yeah. And he kind of needs to get that out of his head, which I guess like being benched could help with, cause like the but, I don't think he should just be benched. Like I think the coach just needs to talk to him and tell him. And then, like, if he's not getting it, then maybe yeah. bench him and tell him, like, come on, like, yeah. we're not, you You have to be grateful, like, this is your job. Yeah, you I agree, and that's where we don't know what conversations Coach DeBoer is having with him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, the other thing I don't like, and I know it's, it's really different as a player who played in Argentina like him, the way that the referees call calls, but I also don't like the fact that um, even in this last game, there was a there was a play where and this is happens too many times where he actually beaten the guy and he was dragging his left foot waiting for the foul like dragging his left foot to try to like get it in the way and he all he had to do is keep his feet and just play and he would have been the he would have been five feet in front of the guy instead he tried to drag his leg and then he just fell down and was like. You know, waiting for a foul that was, there was no foul. 
It was like it was. But was it the Toronto game or this last game where he got behind the last defender? He slipped to two guys and he kept holding him off and holding him off and holding him off and holding him off, and then he finally slipped the pass in the middle. And I thought he was going to go down, and he didn't. I think it was this last game, yeah. and he uh, he he did some drag the leg thing that was so ridiculous <laughs> that it just it epitomized the type of foul that he's looking for that he is never going to find in this league. Ever. And so he needs to just figure out that no MLS referee is ever going to give him that call. It's hard culturally, though. You play that way for so many years, and that's the way that. Well, it's also because it's not a foul. It doesn't change, though. Like for for a player who's used to doing that, you you get developed that. It's hard to. Yeah, it's kind of like instinct. Like you just do it. Like you don't even think. It's called. Actually, it's it's instinct faking. He's doing a lot of faking, in my opinion. I've watched, I've slowed down over and over again on insert replay in their their fake dives that he's doing, and he's pleading with a referee, and they're just not there. So Anna, you should comment. So you've often said that what you like about the women's game is that there's no diving in the women's game, but now you've watched the World Cup. Do you think that's still true? Um. Well. I've never said that there's no diving. Like, there is diving, definitely. But I still will hold to me that, or like, hold true that I think that um, the men, if you watch them, like, if you watch the Men's World Cup, I, I see a lot more diving than in, than in the yeah. Women's World Cup. I, that's, I see the same thing. I don't see as... I do not see as much diving or drama in the Women's World Cup. Yeah, that's one with of the, the players, reasons I like. Like, just completely fabricating a foul. In fact, I like. There's been some like. There's a couple games. The U.S. games like there were some hard tackles. Like, I mean, some of the plays are really tough. And the the couple of the games I've watched where some of the tackles are crackers, and there's been a lot less drama in the Women's World Cup. Yeah, like. I saw, like, people have gone down in the penalty box, and normally, if you go down, even if it's a really soft thing, people will roll around just to try to get yeah. the foul, because it's, like, a PK. Like, But I saw the woman, like, in the France game, they went down, and they got right back up, because they knew that they could get a muse. goal. Yeah. It was Muse. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she, she went just, down, and it was very soft. She hardly made any contact, but she, she just got right, right back up yeah. and tried to keep going. Whereas... Like, not to speak for all men, but yeah. I feel like in most games where I see Neymar. with the men, <laughs> Neymar, um, I'll, see, I'll see them, like, roll around and be like, like yeah. ref, that's a foul. Simon, like, you want to come in? You want to jump in? Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I see uh, all these men, when they get touched, they go down like they've been killed. <laughs> <laughs> like they got shot. Yeah. Yeah, but, and then the women, I mean, I see some diving, but mostly, if even if they dive, they usually, they don't roll around on the ground yeah. and stuff. They they dive. So they're like, trying to sell the call, but they're not trying to act like so they're hurt. D- dear yeah. podcast listeners, this is my, this is my thing with, uh, and I understand if you're not like an avid soccer player when you watch these guys roll around. Um and this is, goes back to my three principles of soccer of how you're going to use v, VAR. If a player doesn't get touched, it's impossible that they got hurt, right? So for them to roll around <laughs> and act like they got hurt when there was zero contact, right? Like, well, let's, call, they, let's call an ace yeah. an ace, right? But um, it does hurt 
Like when there's like when you watch these like really slow instant replays and you see a guy's like cleat come down on like part of the ankle or the foot. Like as a soccer player, you know how bad that hurts. Like and I always want to tell like these tough guys that are like, you know, 250 pounds. I always want to like jump slam the, like jam my foot with cleats on their ankle and see what they would do. They would probably roll around like a bunch of babies too. Thanks, and so everybody. that's part of this my forgiveness with like the rolling around thing. As long as it's like enjoyed. cleats down on an ankle or foot, I mean, that really hurts. I mean, it hurts really bad. Um, yeah. But I mean, of course they sell it too on top of that. But it's the, when there's zero contact, there's zero contact. You have to punish yeah. that after And then Simon, do you want to weigh in on VAR? Oh uh, yeah, v- VAR, like, it's just, like, I love the idea of VAR. It's really cool because I watched, like, in the Premier League, like, last year they didn't have it. And I would see, like, stuff where it could have been a penalty. They call offsides. It shouldn't have been. Yeah. Should have been offsides and it, they didn't call it. That All that stuff. And I'm like, VAR could fix this. But then the referees, when they used VAR... They just completely look at the rule book, but it's not case by case. Like, they're like, well, it hit their hand, but if their hand is, like, not down. Like, there's been times where their hand is in a natural position and it just hits their hand. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really give the other team an advantage. Or where they, or where it, like, the, someone will be off sides, except for, Again, like it'll be like way back in the play, and the only reason that they called it is because they got a goal, right. but they wouldn't and then have they looked... went back and called a foul that was like three yeah. plays before. And it's yeah. like, well, you wouldn't have called that if it were like, right. I want VAR to just help with the plays where you like help help you, not yeah. hurt you. And when you're like calling back plays and stuff, also like if you're gonna have VAR, like in the French game. When the U.S. scored a goal, and like, like, you could have at least gone to VAR, and even if you're not going to call it, it just would give you the satisfaction if you went to VAR. I have to say, how did they not review that call where the U.S. was not offsides on the third goal? Could have cost the whole tournament. Hundred percent. And yes. now you might have said maybe it was in the referee's ear, and she did review it, but uh, it didn't seem like it. That, that seemed that like was, you should have gone. And that to was the, that was not offsides. And right. the, yeah, well. Yeah, I looked like that was not offsides. I I just wanted to make a comment on how you were talking at the beginning about how VAR takes so long when the referee has to do yeah, yeah. rectangle thing <laughs> and go over. What I think should happen is that the they the. The referee plays on, but the people in the studio that are looking at it will talk into the referee's ear, and if they they think it should be offside or something, they should go and tell them. But, like, the thing about the problem with that that I don't know how you would fix is that if they did that, then you'd have to go, like, three plays back and call offside or something, like... I think you can play on and go back to that call. I think they got to eliminate the sideline TV. The idea that the 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 idea that the referee on the field can go over and watch a sideline monitor and have a different perspective. I would almost believe. I understand why they do it now because they want that person completely in control and responsible for the whole all the decisions. But to me, for VAR to be fair actually an outside perspective of and maybe even have like 
because there's three people in that booth, right? On those close decisions, what would be awesome is to have them independently vote, right? And then the referee just hears about it. And, you know, yes, the referee takes some of their power out of the play, but that's another, you know, like the referee loses that power anyway. Like when the linesman makes a call about a penalty kick or a goal or an offsides, the referee doesn't have that power. So here's my theory. If you had a hackathon at Georgia Tech to come up with a $50,000 solution to techno- technologically figure out mm-hmm. whether That's my opinion. Just like that. literally, so that there's no way to go. It's not based off of someone's it's, opinion. It's, it's not emotional, right? It's like, telling you what, like it's right. telling you right it there. It takes the emotion out. It's of like it, goal right? line technology. It's like you can't argue yeah. with that because it literally tells you if it was Correct. if it was a goal or it not. It takes the emotion out of it. Yeah, that's and right. and that's why the thing about VAR is that when I hate when it's it's just becomes not even soccer anymore because we're winning based up because we got two penalty yeah. kicks and the other team got a goal taken away and the other team got two red cards and that all of this stuff yeah. and I'm like can't we just play soccer and yeah. have fun and I hope my uncle Jim is listening because he and I probably four years ago during the 4th of July I had this whole technology thing with soccer a rant if you will a rant and he probably is like thinking I'm so wrong now with how VAR has gone wrong but I'm still holding to my guns that VAR is a disaster right now um, because they're doing it the wrong way, not because technology shouldn't come in the game and solve it. I think they're doing it the cheap way, yeah. and, uh, and it's kind of a lazy way. So I think we've been on air long enough. What do you guys think? Yeah. So I think let's wrap this up with what do you dislike the most about Atlanta United, especially in year three, what are the things that you would want to be improved about the experience of Mercedes-Benz, coaching, anything to do with Atlanta United, whether it's the fans, something you don't like about the fans. What do you dislike the most about Atlanta United, Simon? Well, I just wanted to point out that the bridge going across the street has holes in the top. And when it's raining, it's horrible because you get wet inside a bridge. Like, the least they could do is put a roof on it. I know. Well, who, builds, like, who, builds, <laughs> who builds a roof with holes on it? So either you don't build a roof, which is fine, and you'd be like, look, you got to cross the bridge because you got to yeah. be outside the rest of the time. Or you put a roof on it. But who puts a roof with holes? Because yeah. then it's like dripping on you, and it's like big drops because it collects in the holes and then drops. I think Arthur couldn't afford the last little pieces of metal to fill in the yeah. holes. <laughs> uh, he ran out of money. Well, I've got one. All right, yeah. uh, what's yours? Well, I don't know. It's it's not like a big thing, but for me, um, when so the the top on the stadium, they spent all this money on the top to open and close and stuff. Yeah. But like in the summer, it's like this beautiful day and stuff, and it's not open. And then in the winter, it's like like I feel like they're scared to open and close it because they don't want to get scared, stuck Arthur. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, you just got I, called out by a twelve-year-old yeah. girl. Like, I think you're absolutely right. The engineers are scared that 
that they're going to try to open it and it's going to get stuck or something. Yeah, but it's just like that's, that's you spent all one, this yeah. money and you talk about like open and closed roof. Like this is so amazing, like groundbreaking. Like That this might be our best thing. critique and ever. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, Simon wants mm-hmm. another one. What's up? Okay, so... Double down. My true one is that <laughs> the, the, the supporter section doesn't make like any cheers for individual players. Oh. Yeah. So what what's your cheer? What do you Now wait, so, you went you hey. went to the Newcastle game, right? Yeah. Did they have Almeron cheers? They already in like the first two months. They already had two individual cheers for Almeron. Yeah. Two different hey, ones. Hey Simon, can I call you can I call you out? All right. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to call out a problem. What's your solution? What's your chant? Who Well, I got What, one what do you chance. got? Let's hear it. Okay, so so for Pity Martinez, yeah. I would go, hey, Pity, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Pity. I love it. I love it. I'd be in on that all day. I love the 80s. Yeah, uh, I like that too. Um, so you're 100. So I'm glad you not only have a problem, you got a solution. And you know who's going to start that chant in the section? Next time your dad and I are in our section, I'll start that chant for you. I'll see if I can we'll get it, it going. We will get that <laughs> going. Not, I like it. And I think our group is rowdy enough and proud <laughs> enough to get that going. So, thank you guys so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, I hope you guys had fun. Yeah, I, I did. know it's a, it's a kind of a long it's kind of a long ordeal though, isn't it? No, but it's fun. Like, yeah, it's fun to talk about it and get all your get everything out. It it does. It feels good, right? You kind of get a little bit emotional. Uh, it's kind of. Right? <laughs> figure out what you think too like it yeah. opens new ideas in your head yeah it challenges you well thank and you. Uh, thank you. Dave thank you again for the vino and for bringing your kids over to bring some content a pleasure as always well everybody thanks for listening we'll be back more often more, more frequently have a good one alright soccer nerds if you made it this far jump on twitter and follow us at ATL on fire our website is www.atlonfire.com. Also, if you have one of those awesome Alexa Echoes, Dots, whatever they're called, uh, or one of those Google Homes, etc., you can feel free to just talk to us. Say, hey Alexa, listen to the latest ATL on Fire podcast. Or, hey Google, listen to the latest ATL on Fire podcast. Boom. There we are. You're up and running.